You are listening to the Ibn Abi Umar podcast. This is your host, Umar Osman. Welcome back to the podcast and specifically to the uh, first episode of 2022, even though we're uh, a quarter into it. I really did intend on being much more consistent with this. So those of you who are still subscribed, I greatly appreciate it. And inshallah, I will try to be a little bit more consistent with uploading new episodes. Uh, with that said, you know, Ramadan is around the corner and I recently gave a khutbah on Ramadan and we'll probably be doing it again this Friday. But I wanted to, uh, instead of uploading a recording, just kind of talk through some of the points because with Ramadan coming up, generally we become very focused on our goals for the month, all the things that we want to accomplish, you know, planning out each and every day. And that always has varying degrees of success. One thing that I wanted to focus on this year was not necessarily uh, the planning out of each individual goal and the things I wanted to get done every day, although I probably will end up doing some of that. But I wanted to share three themes of focus for the month of Ramadan. And the reason of sharing themes as opposed to like, here's the action plan, here's a 30-day plan for Ramadan and so on, is that by, fit, by staying focused on a theme, it's a little bit easier to be successful with that month. And so some days you'll be busier than others. Some days you'll be able to get more done than others, as opposed to a day feeling like a letdown or, you know, not having checked off all the boxes on your list for that day. If you're able to think in terms of themes, like here's kind of the three things I want to focus on. And as long as the actions that I'm doing however little or, or however much are in alignment with those goals, then I will have had a successful month. And that's particularly important because so much competes for our attention this month. You know, it's the month where we become health conscious, right? Where everyone's trying to fix their diet, everyone's trying to lose weight. We are focused in on socializing, especially after two years of COVID. And alhamdulillah, at least at the time of this recording, things seem to be opening up quite a bit. Cases seem to be down. And so people are planning on going back to the masjid if they haven't, right? Or uh, meeting with other families, having iftar parties, and significantly opening back up uh, much more than they were the past couple of years. There's a focus on activism this month, right? Like every Islamic nonprofit makes a push in this month because for a lot of them, they raise a lot of their money uh, during Ramadan. And again, I'm not saying that as a point of criticism, just as a matter of fact, that this is what happens. So there are going to be a lot of things competing for your attention this month. And so it's it's hard sometimes to prioritize what I should be doing or what I should be focused on, particularly when all of these things that are competing for our attention are actually important and they're all actually good things. Our health is something we should focus on. Making sure we give our zakat this month is something we should be focused on. Helping Islamic organizations, we should be focused on. Meeting with you know our friends and reestablishing those social ties, that's something we should be focused on, right? There's a lot of things that we should be doing that they're of value. Uh, it becomes difficult to do everything, right? You can't focus, on, you can't give all your energy to everything. And so I wanted to share three particular themes that will help to prioritize your efforts and your actions in the month of Ramadan. The first of those is the theme of forgiveness. And Abu Hurairah, he narrated that the Prophet ascended the member, and as he was ascending, he said, Amin, Amin, Amin. And the companions asked him, they said, Ya Rasulullah, we heard you say Amin, 
uh, we didn't hear you making any dua. And so he replied and he said that the angel Jibreel came to me and said, whoever sees the month of Ramadan and is not forgiven, he will enter hellfire and Allah will cast him far away. So say, Amin. So I said, Amin. The second time he said, whoever sees his parents in their old age, one or both of them and does not honor them and he passes away, he will enter hellfire. Allah will cast him away. Say, Amin. So I said, Amin. And he said, whoever has... Here has your name mentioned in his presence and does not send blessings upon you and he dies, he will enter hellfire and Allah will cast him far away. So say, Amin. I said, Amin. And he said that when the month of Ramadan begins, the gates of heaven are open, the gates of hellfire are closed and the devils are chained. And he said, and this is the one that we you know, hear most often usually in the masjid at the beginning of Ramadan, وَمَنْ صَامَ رَمَضَانْ إِيمَانًا وَحْتِسَابًا غُفِرَ لَهُ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ ذَنْبِ Whoever fasts in the month of Ramadan out of sincere faith, hoping for reward from Allah, then his previous sins will be forgiven. And also whoever stands in prayer during Ramadan due to faith and seeking reward, his previous sins will be forgiven. So clearly we understand that forgiveness is a central focus of Ramadan. And taking advantage of the month is a key tenet of forgiveness. And so it's, it's important to reflect on the previous year, right? The things that where we fell short, the mistakes that we've made, the transgressions that we've done, and use the opportunity, especially uh, assuming inshallah Allah gives us life to see Ramadan, that we take advantage of it by constantly seeking out his forgiveness. That could be as simple as saying astaghfirullah regularly every day, praying for forgiveness, all the normal things that we do, giving charity. Right? There's all these different actions that fall under that umbrella. But keep yourself rather than, I have to say astaghfirullah so many times a day, or I have to donate so much in charity every day. Keep yourself focused on that theme of forgiveness and make sure that every day you are partaking in some type of action that serves that theme of seeking the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hand in hand with that idea of forgiveness is also the extra blessing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives in the month of Ramadan. And as the Prophet ﷺ narrated to us that Allah the Almighty said, every deed of the son of Adam is for him except for fasting. It is for me and I will reward it. Fasting is a shield. So when one of you fast, may he not be obscene or boisterous. If someone insults him or fights him, he says, in saw him, I am fasting. By the one is in whose hand is the soul of Muhammad ﷺ, the breath coming from the mouth of a fasting person is more pleasant to Allah than the scent of musk. And, and as this is the key part, the fasting person has two moments of relief that he enjoys. One, when he breaks his fast, he is joyful, obviously the food that he's eating. And two, when he meets his Lord, he is joyful for his fasting. So the fasting that we do in this month, inshallah, may Allah make it a means of us experiencing that joy in the hereafter, fasting sincerely for his sake. And the, you know, again, the unique thing about fasting, nothing new here, we know this, but it's a good reminder with the month coming is that fasting is one of those deeds that really truly only Allah knows if you completed it, right? Because, you know, everyone can hide away and eat or drink something. We can be on our phone, be on the keyboard. We can say things about people, right? That go against the spirit of fasting. We can do all of these things without other people necessarily knowing, but it is truly Allah that only Allah that knows the sincerity and the success of our fast. And so our fasting, we should be going in with a mindset that this is one of the primary means by which we are seeking the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second theme of Ramadan to focus on is that of taqwa. And I find this one to be particularly important because if you ask people, what is the purpose of fasting? 
a lot of times people will say something like, well, it's so that we can empathize with those who don't have food or that we can feel what it's like to be hungry for you know a period of time. And while that's certainly perhaps a wisdom of fasting and maybe a benefit that is gained from fasting, it is not the purpose of fasting, right? The purpose of fasting has been explained to us. Ya amanu, kutiba kama kutiba min tattakun. O believers, fasting is prescribed upon you as it was for those before you, so that you may develop taqwa that you be you may become mindful of allah conscious of allah and ibn hundra explained he said that taqwa is to create a barrier between yourself and the punishment of allah by following his commands and abstaining from his prohibitions right it governs every aspect of life not just worship not just abstaining from sins but it is it is both a fear of allah right like you fear his punishment but also it is a fear of disappointing allah because you love allah so much and want to please him so much right so we are constantly on guard uh in avoiding that which displeases him and trying to rush toward those things which do please him now one you know one thing that fasting does that's particularly interesting right is that it it's a tra- it's a system of training in a sense because now for 30 days you are suddenly in a heightened state of awareness where you're now questioning every single thing that you do you walk by the vending machine and your initial reaction might be to go get something and you're just like oh no wait i can't eat i'm fasting right you walk by your fridge you're about to get some water and it's like oh no wait i'm fasting and so things that you normally do without thinking you're training your mind to stop and think and assess and ask is this something that I can do right now or is it not something that I can do right now? And so it's no surprise then that the Prophet you know, prescribed fasting, he recommended fasting for people who were having trouble controlling their desires, right? Scholars have said that it is something that can, you know, break hold of some of the base desires that we have. You know, for example, hunger, right? If you are able to, you know, crush hunger, you can crush other desires as well. When Hadith says that fasting is a shield from the hellfire, just like the shield of any of you in battle, right? So it's a shield. It protects you from falling into sins that you otherwise may have, right? And so it's, it's this way of retraining yourself to look at things and to think about things and the actions that you have. One thing that I find interesting, and it's a little bit analogous to this, is, you know, in the book, uh, 11 Leadership Qualities of of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam by Nabi al-Azami, right? He's going into the leadership characteristics of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he identifies that one of his core leadership characteristics is that of spiritual intelligence, and that that meaning his ability to tie every action to an outcome in the hereafter. And so the way that the way that he thinks, the way that he strategizes, the way that he you know talks to people, and so on and so on, is tied to the hereafter. Now for you know, for someone like us, how we're implementing that is, okay, when I go into work, the way that I'm thinking about the decisions that I'm making, I'm trying to tie my work somehow to the hereafter. And one thing that he raises in the book that I, and I think is like a pertinent question is he says, well, you know, companies struggle with things like, you know, acting ethically, right? The way that people behave, conquering ego. And the question arises like, well, how do you train people to do that, right? You can give them a class or a seminar that teaches them the right way of doing things, sure. Uh, but ultimately, there's no way of holding someone accountable to every single decision that they're making over the course of a day, right? Particularly if someone in a leadership role, 
maybe making dozens, if not hundreds of decisions over the course of a week that could have varying degrees of outcome. So how do you train that person to think in a way that is for a greater good? That is, uh, you know, not only serving their own self-interest and acting ethically and, you know, all of these things that we would want them to do. And one thing that he mentions, and this is kind of a unique, I would say like a value add when we look at the Sira, particularly in the context of a subject like leadership, is he says that the morning and evening supplications are essentially a way of retraining your mindset. And so a person that reads the morning and evening, evening supplications every day, they are recentering, regrounding themselves and reminding themselves about the, you know, their true priorities, their true place and how they should be acting. And if someone is able to maintain, you know, the practice of the morning and evening supplications, they train themselves to think in a spiritually intelligent way and thus act with that superior level of leadership. I find that interesting because it's like that, that practice, right? Making that those du'as is a way of recentering. And I think of it as analogous to fasting because the fasting is training ourselves to think in a way that has taqwa, right? Like we want to increase taqwa, we want to be more conscious of Allah. Well, how do you actually do that? The way that you do that is by fasting, by shocking your routine, shocking your system, and really paying attention to the types of decisions you make all throughout the day. You know, not just what we're eating and drinking, but now we're paying attention to all the things that we're saying. We're paying attention to the, th the messages that we're sending in the WhatsApp group while we're fasting, like, hey, sending this message might go against the spirit of fasting, so now I'm going to restrain, right? Or ref uh, refrain from sending it. So it's a way of training ourselves to think in a different way, right? So we cultivate that value of taqwa. The other thing in terms of, you know, we mentioned part of, part of taqwa is also doing the deeds which Allah loves. And it's very important, particularly for Ramadan, where people are in school, people are at work, people have little kids, right? Everyone's at varying stages of life and has different levels of free time and ability in the month. You know, it's important to keep in mind uh, the hadith Qudsi that says, my slave approaches me with nothing more beloved to me than what I have made obligatory upon him. My slave keeps drawing nearer to me with voluntary works until I love him. And when I love him, I am the hearing with which he hears, the sight with which he sees, the hand with which he seizes, the foot with which he walks. If he asks me, surely I will give to him. And if he seeks refuge in me, I will surely protect him. So in this hadith Qudsi, Allah SWT is saying that to get the love of Allah, first and foremost, focus on what is obligatory. In Ramadan, the, you know, kind of where the rubber hits the road here is not just the obligation of fasting, but it's the obligation of the prayers themselves. And one mistake that a lot of us end up falling into is we're excited, right? We want to pray at night. We go to the masjid, we see everyone there and we end up staying late. And then what happens is you sleep in in the morning, right? And so it's important to be strict in the sense of making sure we don't let go of the obligations, holding on to those. But then once you've mastered those obligations, we again now learn from the hadith that the more then that we increase in our voluntary acts, so sunnah prayers, the sunnah fasting, let's say outside of the month of Ramadan, right? May Allah make all those things easy for us, but those are the things that then help reinforce that taqwa so much that everything that we look at, everything we listen to, ends up being a reinforcement of that uh, taqwa in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that taqwa, once we develop it, right, it doesn't 
it doesn't stop there. In the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Have taqwa of Allah so that you may become successful, right? So the taqwa sets you up for success. Have taqwa of Allah so that you will become grateful. And one of the consequences of taqwa is that the more that you're interpreting the world around you from the lens of taqwa, the more that then you are able to recognize the blessings that Allah has given you that we normally might take for granted. And then now here we're learning in the Quran again that the more the more you have taqwa, the more that you will become grateful to Allah. And then of course he says, that if you have that sugar, if you have that gratitude, then Allah will increase you and bless you even more, right? So the blessed month, the month of Ramadan, the month of forgiveness, the month of taqwa, but it is also that month of extra, extra blessing. One of the ways that we get those blessings is from this little cycle of cultivate your taqwa. That taqwa should lead us to be more grateful and the more gratitude that we have to Allah, constantly saying Alhamdulillah, everything that we see around us, the more inshallah that he will increase us in blessing. Now one one thing that we look at now, we've talked about this theme of forgiveness and this uh, theme of taqwa. One thing that we can do that, again, we need to be regular, but something that combines these two themes together is the act of dua. So not just dua at the time of breaking our fast, not just dua for the things that, you know, that we need, that are troubling us, the things that are of concern to us, right, that we're calling out to Allah for. But also, again, flexing these two themes or flexing these muscles is making it a point to read the morning and evening supplications, learning the du'as for different moments throughout the day, right? But what do you say before you eat? What do you say when you're breaking your fast? What do you say when you're entering the restroom? You know, the, all the different du'as for the, you know, throughout the course of the day, the more that I can learn those, the more that I increase in obviously seeking forgiveness from Allah, but also then cultivating that sense of taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third theme that I wanted to focus on is that of the Qur'an. Obviously being the month of the Qur'an, the month in, in which the Qur'an was revealed, right? The, this is clearly the time when we seek to increase our attachment to the book of Allah, engage with it more, reflect on it, read it, all of those things. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Shahru Ramadan al Ramadan is the month in which the Qur'an was revealed as a guide for humanity with clear proofs of guidance and the standard to distinguish between right and wrong. There are different ways for us to engage with the Qur'an, right? So first is by reading. As Allah says, وَرَتِّلِ Recite in a measured way. Learn to read the Qur'an. And so if someone doesn't know the Arabic letters, for example, this is a good time to start learning them and find ways to read. Some of us, we maybe know the letters, we can read, but we're not proficient. And maybe we're not pronouncing the letters properly. We don't know the rules of Tajweed correctly. Maybe we're making mistakes. Maybe we're, maybe we know some of the rules, but we're stumbling over the words. And it, you know, it takes us a few minutes to get through a page and we're stumbling over the words and struggling to put letters together and, and so on and so forth. And the Prophet وسلم, actually said that the one who struggles to read the Quran has a double reward, right? And that's something that's really fascinating. That the one that's struggling and trying and persevering through, they get a double reward. And he also said that every, you know, what's that reward, right? Every harf is 10 rewards. So he said that, I don't mean that alif la mim is 10 rewards, but 
Alif is 10 rewards and Lam is 10 rewards and Meme is 10 rewards. And so the more that a person recites, just the pure act of recitation is a significant source of reward and blessing. And then he said that as for the one who has mastered the recitation, then that person is in the company of the angels. In this month, we need to increase our recitation of the Quran, just the pure act of reading from the Mus'haf as much as we can. If you can, you know, complete one full recitation, of course, that's, that's ideal. If you can do more, that's even better. I would say that you set a goal to read some amount of Quran during the month. And then once the month is over, have another amount that's significantly less that you can stick with on a daily basis, right? You know, if coming into Ramadan, you haven't opened a Mus'haf, then, you know, maybe this month you set a goal to maybe read, if you can read the whole thing, great. Maybe it's a page a day, whatever's within your capacity. But then for after the month is over, you make it a goal to maybe read, you know, two lines a day or five lines a day. If you're currently in the habit of reading, let's say two pages a day in Ramadan, you can, you know, do as much as you can, but then have a goal that after Ramadan is over, instead of two pages, you'll now read three pages or four, right? But find some way to significantly increase in Ramadan and then have some type of goal that you've got for once the month is done that you can retain consistently and keep up throughout the year. The second way of engaging with the Quran and Allah says, Kitabun anzalna hu ilayka mubarakul yadabbaru ayati waliyatadakkaru ulul albab. This is a blessed book which we have revealed to you, O Prophet, so that they may contemplate its verses and people of reason may be mindful. Reflecting on the Quran is also important. And this, you know, I don't want to overcomplicate it because this can always go into a hundred different tangents about, you know, making tafsir or like find, you know, seeking out different little scholarly debates or what are we qualified to interpret and not interpret and all these different things. And I want to keep it very simple, which is anyone can take the translation of the Quran. You can read a page of translation and from that you can deduce or derive one lesson for yourself, right? I read a page of translation. What is one thing that I personally take away from reading that page of translation. It might be that I need to seek Allah's forgiveness more. It might be that I need to be more patient, right? It may be that I need to increase my charity to the poor. It, you know, it could be any number of things, but whatever it is, read a page of translation, avoid the trap of finding something interesting to go and research, avoid the trap of reading and thinking about how you need to send this ayah that you just read to a friend or to, you know, a WhatsApp group or whatever, you know, Keep it focused on what is one thing I can take away from every page of translation that is pertinent to me, that I can take, that I can implement, right? Let that be the beginning of your reflection process and a way of you engaging with the book in a way that now you are actively seeking out the guidance from the book of Allah. The third way to engage with the Quran is by listening to it. When the Qur'an is recited, listen to it attentively and be silent so that you may be shown mercy. Now, ideally, if someone can go to the masjid every night and hear the entire Qur'an being recited in Taraweeh, that's amazing. May Allah bless you. A lot of people aren't going to have that ability necessarily. And so even if you can't do that ideal, don't leave off the idea of listening to the Qur'an. And so particularly in the month of Ramadan, 
think about ways in which you can just listen to it. And that might be while you're driving, right? Replacing, you know, podcasts or audiobooks or music or whatever that you normally listen to with listening to the Quran instead. Think about all the times when you're at home that you might put on a pair of headphones, you know, maybe it's while you're doing chores around the house or taking a walk around the neighborhood or something like that. Maybe think of that time now as time that I should spend listening to the Quran and make that again, another way that you engage with the Quran. The fourth way Allah says, We send down the Quran as a healing and mercy for the believers, but it only increases the wrongdoers in loss. Make the Quran a book of healing. Now, yes, there's like the medicinal aspect of Shifa and all of those things, but also think about it in terms of the distresses, the anxieties, the worries that we have, the, the things that keep you up at night, the things that you're consumed with thinking about all the time, the difficulties that you're going through and turn to the Quran as a means of reconnecting with Allah, turn to the Quran in a sense of the more that I'm reading it, I'm pouring my heart out to it, the more that I am trying to seek the blessings from this book and Allah will alleviate and rectify my affairs, right? So when you're, you know, feeling the moments of difficulty, you're feeling the moments of stress, make the Quran something that you go to as a means of healing and seeking relief. And then lastly, uh, the fifth way to engage with the Quran is memorizing. And Abdullah ibn Amr narrates that the Prophet wasallam said, it will be said to the companion of the Quran, recite and ascend as you recite it in the world verily your rank is determined by the last verse that you recite and the scholars said that this is about memorizing the quran so the more uh, quran that you have in your heart the higher that you ascend if again assuming that you're not a hafiz of the quran find a way that during this month you increase the amount of quran in your heart and so if you haven't memorized anything new in the last you know x number of years then maybe make it simple maybe it's Memorizing the last two ayat of Surah Al-Baqarah if you don't know it, right? Something that is, you know, there's an emphasis, right? There's a sunnah of reciting that every night, those last two ayat. And so if I don't know them, then maybe that becomes a good thing that I learn. If you want to increase a little bit more, maybe it's memorizing Surah Mulk, which the Prophet Wasallam said is a, you know, reciting it every night is a protection from the punishment of the grave. And Surah Mulk is, I think, exactly 30 ayat. So you can quite literally do a verse a day and memorize the surah if you haven't. If you already know that, maybe it's just pick a part of the Quran that you particularly like. Maybe it's, hey, I've always loved listening to Surah, uh, to surah Rahman. So maybe this month I make it a goal to memorize surah, uh, surah Rahman for the sole purpose that I just love the surah, right? Just, it doesn't, don't, it doesn't have to be methodical. It doesn't always have to end in memorizing the entire book, but find a way to memorize at least a little bit more than you have now. And so that will be, again, another way of engaging with the Quran during this month, in the month of the Quran. May Allah enable us to see the month of Ramadan and uh, take advantage of his blessings and seek his forgiveness and develop taqwa uh, of him in the most beneficial of manners. Inshallah, if you want to stay connected to my material, uh, please make sure that you are subscribed to the email list at ibnabiumar.com slash newsletter. Uh, all updates go out there. And as always, if you benefited from the episode, 
Uh, I always appreciate it if you're able to share it out so other people can also uh, subscribe to the podcast, hear about it, and so on. And see you in the next episode, hopefully sooner rather than later. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts or Google Play or whatever podcast player you use. And please rate and review the podcast. As always, if you share it with a friend that's much appreciated, you can check the show notes for all the details and links. See you in the next episode.